myself, but it may as well be a lounge. Lakers won. Vibes are better. <laughs> they they got a win that I don't think anybody really predicted uh, they would get. One kind of red flag coming into this one uh, in a positive way was how the Lakers, um, the line on Lakers Clippers opened at only two and a half. Uh, the, the the Clippers were only giving up two and a half. Um, and that seemed crazy low to me. And I don't know what, I don't know what Vegas knew or, or whatever. And, and I think if I go down that rabbit hole, I'd find myself in, in a shallow grave outside of Vegas somewhere. But that was a, a monster win here for the Lakers as they beat the Clippers um, at home, 106-103. It was kind of an ugly game at some spots. It was kind of clunky here and there. It was physical down the stretch. Um, and the Lakers were able to do just enough to take care of business and, at least for now, uh, preserve Darvin Ham's job. I want to be absolutely clear that the Lakers, you know, unless they had lost by like 50 or something like that, and there was like an out and out revolt from players, uh, the Lakers were not prepared to fire Darvin Ham coming out of this one. But, you know, there was certainly enough uh, consternation around the organization, and, and there was there was definitely enough noise around this situation to be wondering about that. But the Lakers, you know, played above all of that noise. Um, and, and again, did just enough to beat a very good Clippers team coming into this game. There's obviously all kinds of places that I can start in breaking down that game. We could talk about Christian Wood continuing his good play. D'Angelo Russell made his return tonight and played a role that I think makes a lot of sense for him and for the Lakers. Uh, Darvin Ham, I thought, had some pretty good rotations and pretty good lineups out there for most of the game. Some interesting stuff there down the stretch, but you know what? It was enough. The, and, and the Lakers looked like they cared when it came time to actually like respond to his coaching and stuff. Um, again, plenty of places that I could start here, but this play, it's rare. I've been doing this for 10 years. It is really rare for me to see a play that, takes my breath away, makes me speechless, renders me to be nothing more than an idiot watching basketball in the way that I used to be. Well, I'm still an idiot watching basketball, but in a way that I used to be when I was a kid, where like, I just, if you guys were watching on the playback, all of us were doing the Christian Wood, like, you know, uh, and it's, and it's LeBron killing Paul George in, uh, on live TV. Unbelievable. That's a three-point attempt. Uh, just an unbelievable dunk there from LeBron. And uh, there are multiple looks at it and all of that stuff. But <clears throat> I actually wanted to start there, not just because it's an insane play, but actually with the way that LeBron handled this game. I was really curious how this was going posterized me. That's good, Ryan. <laughs> Um, LeBron coming into this one, I was really interested because he had, uh, there was 
you know, some frustration on his end of things. Uh, I'm, I'm told on the, well, obviously I don't even have to be told. Um, but, but you've watched him in these post game things. He was asked about Ricky Rubio and said, like, I can't even try to pretend I care about that right now. Um, he has, you know, he and the rest of the Lakers were not in great spirits coming into this game. And I was really curious what kind of tone he would set. And I thought not only offensively, because offensively LeBron is always going to be special, but to me, uh, defensively LeBron was masterful in this one. And you look at Kawhi uh, Leonard's numbers here. LeBron spent a lot of time on Kawhi, Kawhi throughout this game. Kawhi finishes in 35 minutes, goes 6 of 16 from the field, 2 of 7 from three-point range, 1 of 2 from the free-throw line, did grab eight boards, did dish out a couple assists, three steals, two blocks. So the stocks are great, um, but only 15 points in this one for Kawhi Leonard. And again, LeBron spent a lot of time on him. And I thought that, to me, set the tone for how the way the, you know, the way that the Lakers were going to respond to everything else that has been going on. And, and don't get me wrong. You can see it right there. Whoop, you can see it right there as the second uh, bullet that we're going to hit here. We're going to talk about what this means for Darvin Ham and the Lakers here moving forward. But uh, I, I was really curious, you know, because um, I'm not going to go so far as to say that we've seen LeBron quit like outwardly quit on on coaches before we've certainly seen him check out right i thought he checked out on frank vogel there at the very end and he for damn sure was ready to watch uh luke walton walk out that door but in this one i was really curious with darvin ham's uh seat warming up with all of the noise that has been going on here over the last couple days i was really you know i, I was really focused in watching lebron on both sides of the court. And again, offensively, he's always going to be a wizard. And that dunk was incredible. So that's, you know, obviously um, a, a, a cool thing to have, uh, to have watched take place. But defensively, setting the tone that way and playing that kind of physical, that to me was uh, the reason that the Lakers were in this game from the get-go and, and had an opportunity here to win. And the Lakers were able to take advantage of that opportunity and come out with an absolutely critical win. They've had so many dumb losses that you basically have to negate, you know, in, in order to, to crawl back into the standings and get back into the playoff picture. And this is, to me, pretty easily the biggest win of the season. And, and I think it, it all kind of started here with the tone that LeBron set. Normally, I would have a guest here, and that would allow me to, 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 to get through these things. But I want to, much like a glass of wine, I want to kind of take my time and enjoy this win. Because there hasn't been very much to enjoy because of my next topic right here. Darvin Ham came into this game, and again, um, based on you know multiple sources of insight from, you know, from those close to the Lakers, the Lakers were coming into this one not prepared at the highest levels of the organization to fire Darvin Ham, but certainly eyebrows have been raised, heads have been scratched, red flags have been flying, 
recently with the job that Darvin Ham has been doing, um, both in terms of basketball stuff and in terms of interpersonal stuff and in his handling of the players on this roster, there has been uh, a lot left to be desired there. And, uh, you know, had the Lakers won a close one, the noise would have continued. And I still think this noise is going to continue. You know, this doesn't get fixed overnight. This is going to take a long time to regain the trust of fans and the organization or all of the organization. Because right now, from what I can kind of gather, the organization's somewhat split on Darwin um, and, 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 and his ability to maybe turn things around moving forward. And, uh, you know, for, for example... I think at the very, very top of the organization, I think what, what Darvin said the other day was enlightening because it's true. I think Jeannie really likes Darvin. I think Rob really likes Darvin. And Rob especially doesn't want to take an L on Darvin here. And so like at the very top of the organization, they did not want to let him go. Do not want to let him go. They want to see him turn things around. They really believe in his ability to turn things around because of the way that he handled the adversity of the whole Russell Westbrook situation last year. Um, that said, there were people in the basketball ops department um, who have very legitimate questions about Darvin, not just about his lineups, not just about the way he's handled things, but you know some of the, the, the questions about his ability to make in-game adjustments the timeout stuff has 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 made people wonder about how this is going to go, um, and you know this this game goes a long way to like reassert to those people in the organization and to people like me, right, who have very you know tangible questions about you know his ability to to, to hold this job. Uh, this is this goes you know a pretty good way. In in you know showing okay this is the this is the way that you know maybe we play more of this combination here and maybe in and I thought it was big in this one D'Lo comes back from injury Austin still starts and D'Lo still comes off of the bench and I liked what the combination of those things looked like I thought Austin played really poorly in this one it's a really tough man matchup for him. The Clippers have a whole bunch of long, athletic, physical defenders, guys that like that kind of player Austin really doesn't uh, deal well with. Um, but still, if Austin is struggling, um, he still spaces the floor for LeBron in the starting group. Um, now, the Clippers did start on a 9-0 run, and that made you a little bit nervous there as well. Um, but if Austin struggles there uh, and you can go to the bench and you can you know bring D'Lo off of it, and I thought D'Lo handled this game very well. Um, his counting numbers weren't all that loud early, but they got louder over the course of the game. And very importantly here, I thought that second unit made a lot of sense with D'Lo running things and, and being its engine, uh, offensively especially. And then, you know, the other smart thing that I thought was done in this game was when D'Lo was out there, especially with, with the second unit, there was always multiple wing defenders out there to make up for his defici deficiencies on that side of the court. And, um, you know, you combine what we saw from those wing defenders 
and the amount of energy that that Christian Wood played with tonight. And those second units, I thought, looked very good. You look at the plus-minus on the guys coming off of the bench. Jared Vanderbilt was a plus-five in this one. Christian Wood was a plus-seven. D'Lo was a plus-five. Max Christie was a plus-ten in 13 minutes. Um, a nine-man rotation, very logical, sensible rotation there for, for the Lakers. Uh, I, I just There was a lot to like with those bench groups, and I think it had a lot to do with the fact that at least a starter was always, you know, when you play nine guys, it means you did you there was no opportunity to play five bench guys all at the same time. I think that was good to see. It's gonna be interesting to see when Rui comes back what the rotation looks like. But uh in this one, you have at least one starter out there with those second units, and uh and at least one or two wing defenders to make up for if you have D'Lo and Austin out there together or whatever, I just thought those, those groups were able to stay in the game um, and, and uh, you know, be a lot more successful than bench units have been to this point. So that was, that was great to see. I, it was, it was, it was, it was an important development, right. In a, in, in you know, an ability to um, tweak an approach here has been, you know, desperately needed. Uh, by you know with Darvin in in his coaching of this team and and uh this was a big this was a big set for him I, I again I don't think he was in immediate danger of of getting fired but this win especially to a a front office at the very very top who was looking for any reason whatsoever to not fire him this was a big one for him um again there were questions I, I'd like look I thought he waited too long to call a timeout in the fourth period uh, as, as the Clippers went to their best lineup and went on a run immediately. I thought, you know, instead of a nine Oh run, maybe Darwin would step in when it was like a five or a six Oh run. Um, I thought that some of his lineups down the, the down the stretch, right. Getting Torian Prince out there um, and, and playing D'Lo Austin and Prince all at the same time when you need stops was kind of dumb or whatever. Um, Prince did help you with a three that he knocked down, but he also gave you or gave the Clippers three points by like spear tackling, uh, Norm, uh, <laughs> uh, what's his, what's his name? Norm Powell, uh, on that three point attempt late in that fourth quarter. So, uh, I, you know, there's still, it wasn't a perfect game for him. And I don't, th I don't think he's capable of coaching a perfect game, but I, I do think though that, you know, given everything that was going on, it looked like the Lakers were responding to, you know, all of this criticism of them and him specifically. He gave a quote coming into this and I think was very aware that what he said uh, at coming off of last game's loss was not the right thing to say there. Now he said that he got taken out of context and I think that's a lame cop out, but I, it seemed to me like somebody in the organization was like, Hey, you have to clear this up. And, it, and he was right to, and I thought he did a good job of, of, of clearing up. Like, no, I meant that this is an 82 game season and you're going to go through highs and lows and living and dying with each and every uh, win or loss just adds to the stress of an 82 game season. And that's all fine. Um, but calling it ludicrous for fans to feel a certain way when their team is in the middle of one of those valleys 
that's where you run into some problems. And I think, uh, and, and I, I haven't looked into this. I haven't, I haven't asked, but it did feel as if he was kind of pulled aside. It's like, Hey, you, you need to clear this up. And he did. Um, so Darvin Ham keeps his job for now. Again, wasn't in immediate danger of losing it based on the results of this game. But this does uh, offer up some ammunition to the people at the very top of the organization who do not want to fire him um, in their explanation of why they would not. How to build on this is is where I want to wrap this thing up. And, and uh, you know, again, the Lakers beat the Clippers 106 to 103. It was an ugly, low-scoring game. The Lakers uh, attempted 29 three-pointers but did knock down 11 of them. That's a, a, a nice 38% clip that they were able to knock those down at. The Clippers shot uh, 37 three-pointers and knocked down 38 of theirs, or 38% or so of their three-pointers. But because the Lakers knocked down 11, uh, it's only nine points. That's that, that amount that you have to make up for mathematically is only nine points, and that's doable, right? That That's a lot more doable. Um, the Lakers rebounded exactly as much as the Clippers. Uh, both teams grabbed 40 total rebounds. And, and again, like... You know, this is how you manage the math. Because if you lose the uh, the three point battle in 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 a a big way, then you have to make up for it in a big way somewhere else. But by only losing by like nine or so, that allows you to play even somewhere else and make it up on on a margin. Some you know in 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 some other kind of margin, and the Lakers were able to do that, right? So, um, and and like. The fact that the Lakers were able to win ugly, I think, is important here. They did turn the ball over 19 times. They did only grab eight offensive rebounds. They did, uh, you know, only get to the free throw line. They got to the free throw line fewer times than the Clippers did, and they were able to pull this win off. Uh, those, those, that ability to do that, you know, it requires working your ass off defensively. It requires getting out in transition. It requires. Uh, doing all kinds of things that lately the Lakers have not been doing. And, you know, forming those habits is, is I think, going to be really key here as the Lakers try to, again, take advantage of a quote-unquote lighter January schedule. And, and you know, this makes up for one of the dumb losses that they've already incurred in that, in that January schedule so far. Um, you know, elsewhere in this one, if you're looking to build off of, the success, um, you know, Christian Wood plays in this one. He played 16 minutes and uh, we did not see Jackson Hayes. Wood played the vast majority of his minutes at center. I think all of his minutes at center. Um, AD played 39 minutes and that's getting up a little high. So there was some overlap between uh, AD and Wood. Excuse me, where they were uh, both out there at the same time. But uh, for Wood... He rebounded well. He grabbed uh, 10 boards in, in those 16 minutes, nine points uh, in that one, four of six from the field, one of two from three-point range. Had that big thunderous dunk when the Clippers played him to basically, they, they, they anticipated a pass to the corner. He ball faked it, drove middle, and got to the paint and, 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 and got that dunk there. 
Um, it was a great game for Christian Wood, and I thought it was it might have been a mistake uh, to take him out there late when the Lakers and the Lakers did immediately when Wood went to the bench. They gave up a couple offensive rebounds right away. And so I think moving forward, one thing that Darvin might have to consider here when Wood is playing that way, especially against a bigger, more physical team like the Clippers, is maybe keeping Wood out there for an extra minute or two longer and not feeling the need to, you know, get to those uh, Torian Prince, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves minutes, which again, in this one, uh, I don't think those minutes were very pretty. Uh, the other the other thing here that I liked, uh, you know, in, in terms of how to build moving forward is, uh, you know, with the amount of wing play that the Lakers got, you got a lot of Max Christie minutes out there uh, compared to, you know, what you normally do. He plays 13 minutes in this one. I thought he defended Norm Powell really well, and that went a long way in kind of uh, stifling the, the Clippers offense. Jared Vanderbilt, I thought, did a pretty good job uh, when he was guarding either Paul George or uh, James Harden. At what point, picked up a frustration foul on uh, Paul George for pushing off. That kind of stuff is is necessary. Now, you do need Vando to bring you anything offensively. In this one, he scores two points, one of three from the field, did shoot a uh, three-pointer, He's going to have to be more of a threat than he currently is. But at the very least, uh, he's, he's you know, showing that, that he's doing the things that, like, puts him on the court in the first place where, you know, okay, they, they have a, a wing ball handler who you need to take out of their rhythm. Vanderbilt does that. We need <clears throat> physicality and, and, and we need uh, rebounding. Okay, Vando can go down there and, and pin down and, and help team rebound down there and, and grab a couple of rebounds for himself. So uh, I thought it was, you know, all things considered a pretty good Jared Vanderbilt game. And I think uh, moving forward, especially as cam kind of continues his decline a little bit and he played pretty well. Um, I, I, I do think eventually, like, I think, see, you look at their numbers. Yeah. They played exactly the same number. Uh, cam plays 20 minutes. Vanderbilt plays 20 minutes. I do think we are <clears throat> watching Vando inches way up to playing more minutes than Cam here moving forward and maybe even getting into the starting lineup, um, you know, in, in Cam's place. That would be good to see. Uh, but but I, I think, you know, like, and again, this is a, a Lakers team that has been like begging for, you know, any opportunity to build on last year's uh, run and build with that continuity and Vando playing more and getting more opportunities and taking advantage of those opportunities is going to be a, an important part uh, of that, I believe. Um, the last thing here that I'm, I'm really curious about, and I think Vando lends himself to this, is I am not, I know that it hasn't looked great this year. And I know that there was some moments here in, in this one where it looked kind of clunky as well. But I don't want to give up outright on the... LeBron or the uh, Austin and D'Lo combination. I would uh, like to see those two out there with Cam and with, uh, you know, whether it's Christian Wood out there to, to offer some, some rebounding and some extra rim protection in case guards do drive by D'Lo and Austin, or if it's LeBron, obviously that's a, a better case scenario, but I would like to see 
more minutes of that of that you know five man lineup that the Lakers really used a lot last year of Austin, D'Lo, Vando, or Rui, um, LeBron, and AD, and Vando getting more opportunities and taking more advantage of those opportunities is I think going to be big, and I think if D'Lo was able, to, you know, really relishes and welcomes coming off of the bench and uh, continues to play well running those second units, that gives him a little bit more rhythm going into the uh, lineups that he's out there with Austin in. So you combine all of those things. And and again, like this was, it's not like, I, I didn't think the Lakers played great in this one. Um, I, for damn sure, don't think the Clippers played great. And they would, I think, say that coming off of this one as well. It was an ugly game. And... Man, <laughs> washed. But uh, if the Lakers, if the Lakers are able to basically lean into playing hard and playing physical and playing long and and getting out in transition and taking advantage of of those opportunities that you get yourself through that physical long defense, then that I think is is kind of. And by the way. I know I, I know you guys get sick of me bringing this up, but that's what the Lakers did in the in-season tournament was they defended their asses off. They suffocated teams. They executed as best they could in the, in the half court. But the biggest thing was that they defended so hard and played so physically that they would wear a team down. And when it came time to execute late, that team wouldn't have the legs to get the stops necessary to get back into the game. And you know, I, I thought again there were a couple mistakes made by Darvin late in this one, where he went back to the D'Lo, Tori, and Austin combination late in the game, and and it didn't work out. But, um, you know, most notably, right? I think they had the one of the Lakers' worst five-man lineups out there against the Clippers' absolute best one. And like when I say that is the the Clippers' best lineup, it's legitimately one of the best lineups in the league in terms of net rating. Uh, so you have one of the best five-man groups on the court for the Clippers and one of the worst five-man groups uh, that the Lakers can put together statistically out there. And it went, you know, it was a matter of seconds and it was a tie game all over, all over again. When before that, the Lakers were up by nine or 10 points. So uh, I do think that, you know, need to learn from the run that the Clippers went on to get back into the game. But I also think you need to learn from what put you in that place and, you know, and, and gave you that, that opportunity to be up late um, in, in the way that the Lakers were. So uh, there's a lot, again, a lot to like coming out of this one. Most importantly is it shuts up some of the noise and, and allows them to refocus and recalibrate here and moving forward. And then, you know, for the Lakers, they jump, you know, right back into it. Um, their next game is I believe against Toronto who have been playing? Yeah, their their next game, they have a cup. They have a day off, and then on uh, Tuesday they play uh, against Toronto at home. And you know that's that's going to be a tough one. Toronto is playing better. RJ Barrett has been playing really well for Toronto since he got there. And uh, you know Emmanuel quickly is like very quickly, yeah. Uh, become a fan favorite in Toronto because of the way that they're playing. So, like, 
a game that maybe he previously had looked like a an easier win. Um, it's not going to be all that easy, and the Lakers need to uh, to to keep this momentum rolling, or else we're we're right back where to where we we were heading into this game. Which look, I'm I know I'm playing kind of a yeah, I'm doing a lot of reporting on on what's going on there with Darvin Ham and with the organization and some of that tension there in the locker room and all of that. I would prefer not to have to report those things. I would love to be able to say like. You know, and 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 you know that's the kind of thing that I'm going to be digging into coming off of this game. Is all right. How much did that do to quell some of the tumult in the uh, in that locker room? And if I find out that it's good information and it's good news, then I will relay the good news. Problem is, lately there just hasn't been very much good news, and I had no choice and have no choice but to relay news and information as it makes its way to me. So. Still, great win here for the Lakers, and now it's a matter of building on it moving forward. All right, uh, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. I will be back uh, tomorrow, uh, hopefully with a guest to uh, break things down and, and maybe get an update on the situation coming off of this game and and you know what that what the coaching situation looks like moving forward and and who was pulling for what, right, in the organization. But um, you know what? All of that doesn't matter right now. Enjoy this win. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Get ready for the work week. And until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's, and I will talk to you manana. That Norm Powell.